Rambam, Mishnah, Torah, Hilchis, the laws of Malve, Vilove, lending and borrowing. Lender and borrower. Pedic Hamisha, the Esrim, chapter 25. Aleph, Halacha 1. We've been learning extensively for the past 24 chapters. Many, many detailed laws. Today, we segue into an important detail in the world of lending and borrowing. And that is the world of a guarantor. There's an old expression, I'll clean it up. A guarantor is an idiot with a fountain pen. Aleph 1... If a person lends money to his fellow, and after the loan was made, one guy comes along and says, you're such a good guy, you made a loan. I will guarantee it. After the fact, or, the lender makes a demand from the borrower in court, in Beddin. The Yomar Le'achar and a stranger says, Anach, leave him alone. V'ani Oriv, I will guarantee. Hey, a third situation. Shehoya chaynik bashuk. Mr. A was strangling, he was choking Mr. B in the street on Ventura Boulevard. You're killing me, Larry. Leeton Lay says, give me the money you owe me or I'll strangle you. The Omar Lay, a third fellow, comes along and he says, Hanach, let him, leave him alone. Don't kill him. Bani Oriv, I will guarantee in all of the above cases, is the guarantor committed? The answer is, Ein He'orev Chayev Klum. This guarantor is obligated nothing. Because he was just trying to help. He didn't mean it. When it comes to money, you need to mean it. Otherwise, it's what we call in halacha nasmachta. It's a far-fetched scenario which you never believe is really going to happen. Even if he said, I am the guarantor. In the presence of the court, he's also not liable. Because again, he was just trying to help, he was just trying to save somebody from a bad situation, and it, it was not the plan of the loan to begin with. Avo, but in all of the above scenarios and others, if he made that famous Kenyan, that act of acquisition, like taking a handkerchief or whatever of the many acts of acquisitions we learned earlier, and by making this kinyan, this act of acquisition, he states that he guarantees these loan, this loan, upon him in all of the above situations. Whether in front of the court, or between him and the lender, he has become committed and responsible, and there is a lien upon him. So again, guarantors have to be careful, but if he's just trying to save the guy from being choked, that's a different story. However, if he said at the time of the conveyance of the money from lender to borrower, how they who lend him, and I will guarantee, well, that's a real guarantor. 
now the guarantor is responsible without even requiring the symbolic act of acquisition called the Kenyan. Because that was the act that was coming down. It was a loan, and he guaranteed. So also if the court designated him as a guarantor, and he agrees, he becomes obligated, even without a Kenyan, without this act of acquisition. Because it was the setting of a court. For example, the court was trying to collect the loan from the borrower, and this third party says to them, <clears throat> leave them alone, I will guarantee for you. The fact that it was a, an official court setting, and the court believed him, that he received something in return, and that is the honor and the pleasure of being the hero. Gimel 3, Amal Ves Chaveri, Al Yidei Orev, if somebody makes a loan to a fellow, and there's a guarantor, even though the guarantor obligates himself to the lender, so the lender can say, listen, the guy I lent the money to, let's call him the borrower, he's a shlamazel, he has nothing, let me go straight to the guarantor, he's a rich guy. No, he should not demand from the high finance guy. First, first you go to the borrower. If the borrower doesn't pay, he goes back to the guarantor and gets paid from him. Now that Rambam qualifies and says, when does this apply? If the borrower does not own property, if he owns property, if the borrower owns property, why go collect from the guarantor? Go foreclose on the properties of the borrower. However, what if the borrower was a tough guy, a strong guy? He was uh, part of the mafia. You don't want to mess with the mafia. The Ain, and the court can't get to first base with him. He says, I'm not coming to court. Do me something. In this case, he can go straight to the guarantor. Then if the guarantor wants to, let him sue the borrower. If he lives so long. If he can get it out of his hands, he should. He can get the help of the court. They can excommunicate the borrower. But in the case when the borrower is a tough guy, then the lender is allowed to go straight to the guarantor. Now comes a situation which is quite common in the world today. What if the lender makes an agreement with the guarantor, and he says, you know what? The only reason I'm making this loan is because you guaranteed it. And he said to him, I'm making this loan on the condition that I can collect from anybody I want to. 
from him or from you. I don't have to go to him first because he's a loser. Even if the borrower has real estate, he does not go to the guarantor. Why is that? Because of the real estate that he has. But there is debate, as we're going to learn, that if he says that, he can go to either, as we'll see. Omar, if he said it in a little bit of a clearer language, Almanas on the condition, She'epora, I should be paid, Mi, Mi, She'er, from anybody I want first, then he can go straight to the guarantor. Hey, or, and here the Rambam introduces another word, Shahoya Kablon. He was a Kablon. It comes from the word accepting. He accepts the debt. An underwriter. You notice at a wedding, you have an Orev Kablon who guarantees the commitment from the groom to the bride. What is an Orev a guarantor? What is a Kablon? An underwriter. So underwriter is a stronger language than Orev. Hareze Yitbas Orev, in that case, he can go straight to the guarantor, or this Kablon, this underwriter, be a part of mehem, and go straight to them, even though the borrower has real estate. Now the Rambam says, we learn the word Orev, guarantor, we learn the word Kablon, let's say underwriter. Ezehu orev ezehu kablon. What's the difference between an orev and a kablon? Amar loy, if he says to him, tain loy, give it to him, bani and I will give it to you. In other words, he doesn't even say, go demand from the borrower. And if he doesn't, I'll give it, but he says, you give it to him and I'll pay you. Zehu kablon. This is what we call an underwriter. He underwrites the loan. Clearly, the lender can go straight to the underwriter. Even though he didn't specify and say, that I could be paid from anybody I want to. But if he said to him, I'll pay you, lend him money, and I guarantee, I'll pay you, lend him money, and I'll pay. I'll pay you, lend him money, and I'm obligated, I'll pay you, lend him money, and I'll give, I'll pay you, lend him money, and I accept, ten lay give him money, and and I'm the underwriter, ten levani pareh, give him and I pay, ten levani chayev, all these expressions, ten levani yarev, kulam loshen arbonus They are more language of guaranteeing. Veinatei cannot go straight to him. Because first you go to the borrower, if he doesn't pay you, then go to the guarantor. What's the difference? That in the case where the borrower has real estate, you go to the borrower's real estate before you come after the guarantor. Until he specifies for Yemer, and he says, Mimi I will go to whomever I want to. As I said earlier, this is language that allows the lender to collect to begin with from the guarantor. Now, every marriage has a Orev Shoksuba. What if there is a guarantor to the commitment of husband to wife in the Ketubah? Is that a real commitment? What if the husband divorces his wife or dies? Does the guarantor have to pay the wife? 
even though they made an act of acquisition, in this case, he's not obligated to pay. Why? Because, you know, it was a party. <laughs> he got an honor. Because all he did was a mitzvah. To have a groom and bride marry, it's a big mitzvah. And he didn't cause anybody any financial loss. She did not suffer a direct financial loss by marrying. It's not like a lender lends somebody money. All she did was got married. She wanted to get married. If she didn't want to get married, she wouldn't get married. And it was not necessarily the promise of this guarantor that made her agree to get married. It was like a gentle push. So that's the logic here. Remember, we said many times that if anybody makes a financial commitment and they don't really expect ever to pay, that's called an asmachta. That's, like, that's why bets are no good. That's why halachically gambling is a problem because the gambler never expects to lose. He always expects to win. And when he loses, you're robbing him. He never gives his money away when he puts it on the table because he's a winner. And when he's a loser, boy. But if a father guarantees the ksuba commitment of his son, that's a different ballgame. The and they made a Kenyan. Chayav is obligated. The kablon shal ksuba. If somebody is a kablon, an underwriter for a ksuba, which means the woman says, listen, I don't trust this guy. He doesn't have two dimes to rub together. You want to guarantee his ksuba? Fine, otherwise I ain't marrying nobody. Chayav, then he's obligated. Moving right along to seven. Reuben shemachal l'shimon soda. Mr. A, Reuben, sells a field to Mr. B. Let's call him Shimon. And along comes Levi. And Levi says, listen, if somebody takes the field away from you, Shimon, I guarantee to make good. Because at any moment, anybody could come and take your field away. They could say they have a lien, remember? Levi's commitment is not really a commitment. Because this is called an asmachta. He never meant it. But if they made an act of acquisition called a Kenyan, that he's obligated to pay any time that the man comes, then he is obligated because the Kenyan makes it real. is obligated and that's what my rabbis ruled. As a rule, whenever the Rambam says, my rabbis, his rabbis are the Ri of Gosh, the Ri Migosh, and his rabbi, the Rif. Ches Orev, so also a guarantor, a kablan, or an underwriter, Shechivu Atzmon, who committed themselves al Tanai. Conditionally, they made a condition. Afapishakonomiyodan, even though they made a Kenyan, they made an act of acquisition, Lenishtabid. They do not become obligated because whenever there's a condition involved, you never believe the condition's going to happen. Ketzad, for example. If he said to him, Ten give him, and I'll give you. Assuming that we land someone on Mars tomorrow, or so and so will not happen, that's not a real commitment. Anyone who 
condition, who conditionally connects an obligation if something will happen or something won't happen, in his heart of hearts, he did not sincerely convey that commitment because he doesn't believe it's going to happen. And therefore he's not committed. This is the asmachta syndrome. He makes a commitment, he doesn't mean it. Now we come to the plot thickens. Two people borrowed using one note. A two people purchased one purchase. So also partners. One of the partners borrowed money. One of the partners purchased. They now become responsible for one another. Even though they didn't specify because they're in this together. Two people made a commitment to guarantee to one person. You have Mr. A and Mr. B guaranteed together from Mr. C. Now the lender comes and he wants to get paid from the guarantor. Which one does he go to? Guarantor number one or guarantor number two? So the answer is he takes his pick. Anyone you want to. And if the first guy doesn't have enough to pay the debt, he goes and collects the rest of the debt from the second guarantor. One person who guarantees for two, when he repays the lender, he should, the guarantor should declare, is he paying Mr. A's debt or Mr. B's debt? Because he guaranteed for two people. In order that everyone should know whose debt he paid and we can collect. If somebody says to his fellow, Go guarantee so and so for so and so. Go guarantee. I will guarantee I'll stand behind you. If you lose, I'll make it up to you. Obviously, the guarantor is more credible in the hands of the lender than this guy. But. This guy and the guarantor have a relationship. He says, you guarantee and I'll make you good. I'll stand behind you. It's like somebody would say, you lend him and I'm the guarantor. Because there's no difference between standing behind a lender or standing behind a guarantor. It's all the same. So it's a form of a guarantor. Just as a guarantor becomes committed and obligated to the lender, so also the second guarantor becomes committed to the first guarantor. It's the same process. The law, the application of guarantor number two to guarantor number one is identical to that of guarantor to borrower. Yud Gimel 13, if somebody guaranteed, but he did not specify the extent of the guarantee. He says, you lend Moshe money, I'll stand behind it. How much money? We don't know. We learned that in the, we learned in the past. That's a problem. You've got to know what you're talking about. If something has no definition, it's a problem in, 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 in business, in halacha. For example, he said to him, Whatever you want to give him, give him, and I'm the guarantor. 
A mechayloi, sell it to him, v'aniyarev, and I'm the guarantor that he'll pay. A halveyu, lend him, v'aniyarev, I'm the guarantor. This is a problem. Yesh minagainim shahira, there are those of the scholars who rule I feel a machala even if he sold them maseras alafim ten thousand zoos. That's a lot of zoos, a million dollars. A hilvo mayor elaf or he lent him a hundred thousand. Yishtabeda orev bakel. The guarantor is obligated because he clearly says, "Give him, sell him, lend him. I'll pay." Biyeroeli says the Rambam. I disagree with these people. It's not a defined commitment. The Rambam talked about this earlier again and again. You need definition to your commitment. She'ein zeh ha'orav chayev klum. This guarantor is obligated nada, gunished, with a capital G. She'kibon she'ni yadei adavar she'shibanatzvah because if you don't know what you're obligating yourself to, like some chadata, you have no intention of ever paying. For the shibanatzvah, he doesn't commit himself. Says the Rambam, Udvorim Shaltam Heim Lemeven. I think these are very logical words. And the Rambam actually echoes his decision in the laws of selling and buying, chapter 11, 16, where he says that anybody who makes a commitment of an unlimited nature, for example, I obligate myself to feed you or to clothe you for five years. Even though he affirms his commitment, we don't know what it means feed you, how much you eat. What does it mean clothe you? We talk about other situations. A man marries a woman and commits himself to feed her, her children. You have to define, feed what? I'll give you oatmeal for breakfast, tuna sandwich for lunch, and gefilte fish for dinner. This we understand. Feed you. Maybe the guy's going to want caviar. Kosher, of course. An undefined commitment is not a commitment, says the Rambam. Finally, the closing paragraph of this chapter. If somebody says to his friend, to his fellow, you make the loan. I guarantee you his physical body. I guarantee you he'll be here. And he doesn't guarantee to pay, he guaranteed it'll be. Let it be. What he meant is, whenever you want him, I'll bring him to you. I'm not paying. So also he said to him after he lent him and he demanded, Whenever you demand, I'll deliver him. And they made an act of acquisition. There are those who argue that if he doesn't deliver him, then he has to pay. Others rule, even if he made a condition and stated, if I don't bring him a shemes or he died, or he ran away, I will pay. This is an asmachta. He didn't mean it. It's too far fetched. He didn't take the obligation upon himself, says the Rambam. Guess what? I am sympathetic to this opinion. It's not a commitment. End of chapter 25.